0: Hey everybody, it is Friday, November 11th, 1111 11, Jill. Make a wish. Exactly. 11-11-22. <laughs> You're listening to the Mo News podcast, I'm Moshe Nunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news.
0: Jill and I have made our best attempt again today to read all the news so you don't have to
1: and with that mosh here is what we are working on inflation finally showing signs of cooling off the demographic that may have saved democrats this midterm election plus all the historic firsts oversees the taliban taking more drastic measures against women and if you have eight bucks you could be just about anyone you want on twitter it,
0: it turns out uh, they might have laid off the entire verification department Jill, we'll we'll uh, tell people about that <laughs> a little later <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's start with the economy. We finally got some good news when it comes to inflation. New data out Thursday showed that inflation is finally starting to slow down a bit. October's Consumer Price Index, or CPI, rose just 0.4% for the month and 7.7% from a year ago. That's the lowest yearly increase since January. By comparison, it rose 8.2% the month prior. Overall, inflation peaked at 9% in June but that was a new 40-year high. Some areas of improvement, rental cars and used cars. Airfare is still much, much higher. It's up 42% in just 12 months. Gas prices have leveled off. They were up about 60% in June. That was when prices hit 5 bucks per gallon for the first time. Um, home energy costs also improved. And most investors certainly like what they heard. The stock market had its best day since 2020.
0: Yeah, I'm reading the uh, lead headline in CNBC right now. Dow pops 1,200 points, S&P 500 jumps 5%, biggest rally in two years. Though we should remind everyone, not that uh, if you haven't checked your portfolio lately, we're still down about 20 plus percent for the year, but certainly the uh, markets were very pleased today. The quick translation on this is the faster inflation comes down, the quicker the Fed will stop continuing to increase interest rates. Um, As they're trying to increase interest rates because they're trying to dry up the economy. And if inflation is actually coming down, The Fed can say mission accomplished. And so that's why the markets were happy, because it's like, oh, maybe we finally have some end in sight, Jill, to the uh, interest rate rises. But I think as of right now, it appears they're going to continue to raise interest rates, not at the rate that we've seen. As you mentioned, inflation is the lowest since February, but it's still above 7%. You know, we lived for years with inflation at about 2.5%. So, yes, it's down from the June high, but it's still above 7%. Uh, You were talking about some of the things that are up and down. A couple other things I noticed, clothing prices fell, natural gas fell, chicken prices fell, and groceries only increased by a very small margin. But one of the big issues continues to be rent. About one in four Americans uh, rent their homes, and the increase in rent year over year was the largest increase since 1982 – so uh, that continues to be one of the issues there.
1: And the thing that's the thing about rent is it's very sticky. So once rent goes up, it's hard to bring it back down. You know, there's certain things. Once you raise the price, very few landlords are going to say, "All right, you know, let's you know, let's lower it." Um, and the same thing with with food and and other things as well. Um, a lot of these companies we've talked about some of the big food manufacturers who've raised prices. I doubt that many of them are going to lower the prices, you know. And so I, I think we're – I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves with the inflation because right. I'm – as somebody who does the food shopping for my family, I am amazed every single time I go into a supermarket how much it's costing me.
0: And we should say, you know, yes, inflation is slowing, but prices are still up, right? So it's like yes. – you know, like, and, yes. and that's the headline. is like, oh, inflation is slowing. You're like, oh, great. But like, no, that doesn't mean the prices are down. It just means they're not up as much as they were – the previous month or the month before right that. they're
1: not going up as quickly you Correct. know and they, they've they're they've slowed down a bit but yes prices aren't decreasing uh, so I think that that's a great point
0: and and one other thing I, I should say um, we I got a couple notes from real estate brokers who follow us on Instagram and they were excited by the fact that uh, the 30-year mortgage rate fell almost a whole percent no I, I actually it looks like about 0.6 percent today on the news, Jill. So it fell, you know, we made note recently of the 30-year fix being above 7% for the first time in a long time. It fell below that today down to 6.6%. So uh, that's significant, but again, putting things into context here, which we try to do, that's still double, 6.6%, still double what it was last year at this time. So, you know, if you're continuing to see rent increase prices, the mortgage rate is falling, but still not quite where it was last year.
1: All right, let's talk about the election. The dust finally settling from election night 2022. But votes are still being counted in key battleground races across the country. And that means it could be days or even weeks until we know the fate of the House and the Senate. It does look, though, like Democrats have young people to thank for not letting this election be a red wave. Per exit polls, the only age group that went more Democratic in 2022 than in 2020 was 18 to 29-year-olds. Every other age group shifted toward Republicans over the last two years. So according to the biggest national election poll that most of the networks use, the national youth vote choice for the House was 63% Democrats, 35% Republicans.
0: Jill, I was trying to break down these numbers earlier today. Uh, you noted that the 18 to 29-year-olds, the uh, Gen Zers who can vote, as well as the younger millennial set, went more Democratic than 2020. Uh, and so they were majority Democrat. The other group, they weren't more Democrat than 2020, but were a majority Democrat, are the elder millennials and Gen Xers, ages 30 to 44. They went for Democrats by a much slimmer margin, 51-47, everyone 45 and above majority Republican.
1: There were also a ton of historic firsts in the midterm elections. For one, a record 12 women will simultaneously serve as governors in 2023. Maura Healey is the first woman to be elected Massachusetts governor and the first openly gay woman to hold that office in the U.S., Wes Moore is the first black governor of Maryland. We should add in Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the first woman elected as governor in that state. In Florida, Maxwell Frost, the first Gen Z member of Congress in New Hampshire. James Rosner, the first trans man elected to a state legislature. But as we record this, we still don't know who controls the House or the Senate.
0: Yeah, and it looks like it's going to be a few more days. Uh, we might know something by the weekend. And by the way, we should keep this in mind. Remember, twenty twenty, we didn't know who was president till I think Saturday is when AP declared it uh, for uh, Joe Biden. So right now, the Senate still comes down to three seats. Democrats and Republicans each need two of the three to have the majority. Georgia, uh, as we've been talking about, is going to a runoff on December sixth because they have a state law there that if either the candidates doesn't get 50.1%. They have to hold a runoff. So that's going to happen in a month from now. In Nevada, where they like to take their sweet time, it appears they'll be counting through the weekend when we think we might know a result. And then Arizona is also slowly going through its process. What's notable about Arizona, though, Jill, is it is a place rampant with conspiracy theories, especially since you have election deniers running For a governor, secretary of state, many of the offices, including uh, Carrie Lake, who's running for governor. A photo uh, went viral on Twitter today of a woman in glasses walking around the counting area uh, in Arizona. And so Twitter was like, oh, my God, what is Katie Hobbs doing walking around the uh, counting area? Well, it turns out that not all women in Arizona who wear glasses are Katie Hobbs. (laughs) (laughs) People are like, it's not getting obs It just happens to be someone. It just happens to be a woman with glasses. So uh, people freaked out over that. So that is um, that's the Senate count. The House right now, according to the latest NBC count, Steve Kornacki, uh, the man in khakis who knows all things election, right now they've called 210 races for Republicans, 192 for Democrats, with 33 pending. Democrats lead in two thirds of them. To translate that for you, basically you need 218 seats to control the U.S. House. Uh, Right now, if uh, all of the folks with leads end up winning, Republicans end up with 222 seats, Democrats at 214, that would give Republicans an eight-seat majority, require a lot of discipline. By the way, Nancy Pelosi has run her majority for the past two years with anywhere from a five to six-seat majority.
1: And Mosh, you asked the Mo News community about their thoughts on all things election from Donald Trump to the issues that are important to them and also their thoughts just on political coverage in general. So tell us everything. What did people have to say? Well, before
0: I start, Jill, just as we started taping this, a statement has come out from former President Trump, a very, very long statement, and he appears to be angry about Ryan DeSantis, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post. So uh, I don't know if you saw, Jill, the New York Post cover um, calling Trump Trumpy-dumpty in diapers.
1: I did see it, on a wall. yes.
0: The day before, they called DeSantis the future of the party. It's run by the Murdochs, who own Fox News. Trump is clearly taken notice of this and is not very happy. Uh, So the statement reads in part, this is very long, I I won't read the whole thing to you. But uh, former President Trump says in his statement, News Corp, which is Fox, The Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post, is all in for Governor (laughs) Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations, who didn't have to close up the state, but did... It continues, Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide. Ron had low approval, bad polls, no money. But he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. When I endorsed him, it was as though, to use a bad term, a nuclear weapon went off. He goes on. He goes on. I fixed his campaign. He fell apart. I stopped his election from being stolen. Now Ron Sanctimonious is playing games. The fake news asked him if he's going to run for president. He says, "I'm only focused on the governor's race." Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's really not the right answer. Anyway, it keeps going and going. But he is—he is a little pissed right now, Joe.
1: I feel like we're witnessing his unraveling. Basically,
0: it's—it's it's- it's something, right? I mean, have we seen anything like this, or do we just like not remember his presidency for four years?
1: Where did he put this out? True Social?
0: Well, yeah, because he's not—he's still not allowed on Twitter yet. So he put out a statement, True Social, and it's being reposted on Twitter.
1: More importantly will be how that statement plays in, in a public that seems to be over Donald Trump. I, I know you asked the readers of Mo News about him. What did they have to say?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. So this is pre-statement, and I'm going to post this after we finish this recording session to see uh, what they might say, but I don't think I'll be surprised by their answer, because as far as the Trump versus DeSantis question that I put out, I asked Republicans who follow me. And I would say that our following is about a third, a third, a third, Jill, a third Republican, a third independent, a third Democrat. Uh I asked them, what do you make of the results? Uh, What do you make of Donald Trump uh, wanting to announce for 2024? What do you make of Ron DeSantis? And it was pretty remarkable because I heard from dozens and dozens and dozens of Republicans, several of whom who say, I love Donald Trump. I voted for him twice, but I am done with him. We need to turn the page. Uh, One person wrote, I love what Trump accomplished as president. I hate his immaturity. Another agreed saying Trump was good for the economy, but I don't care for his ego. So it is really interesting right now. The turn in the 48 hours, and clearly the former president feels this and senses this, that you're seeing out there among, you know, loyalists. And by the way, I'm sure he has many loyalists uh, who will continue to support him. But the turn that you've seen among Republican commentators, the turn you've seen among people who work for him at the White House who are like, please don't announce for president. You're, you're a distraction right now, essentially. Um, clearly, he's sensing that, which is what is leading to this, you know, aggravation that he's feeling.
1: Well, we're talking about 2024, but of course, the Democrats, you know, there's a big question there, too, about is Biden going to run? And if he doesn't run, who will? Uh, One of the names that's being talked about now is Governor Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan. She had a convincing reelection that's put her, quote, among a handful of fellow Democrats who, after the midterms, are being mentioned as potential National Party stars. Uh, That is per The Washington Post. Per Politico, another name generating buzz, Josh Shapiro. He is the new governor of uh, Pennsylvania. Whitmer in particular is getting people excited. She is a woman. She beat a MAGA candidate. Michigan, we know, is a battleground state. Uh, I worked in Lansing for my first on-air job. Lansing is, of course, the capital of Michigan. And I used to interview Gretchen Whitmer all the time. This is when she was still in the legislature. She was just a state senator from East Lansing but you could tell even then that she was going places. She's well-spoken, media savvy. Um, so I'm not totally surprised here.
0: Yeah, I, there's been a lot of questions as to like, who's the next generation of Democratic talent? Because, you know, you have Joe Biden, who's 80 years old next week as president. Nancy Pelosi, who's 82 or 83, I think. Uh, st- you know, you, a lot of the Democratic leadership is in their, you know, 70s, some in their 80s. So, you know, there's been a big question as to who this next generation is going to be. And, and to your point, Jill, about, interviewing young uh, politicians and kind of seeing that they're going to go somewhere. I think, you know, many people saw the same thing with a very young state legislator uh, named Barack Obama, um, including people in the party who are like, yo, wait your turn, man. And he's like, I'm not waiting my turn. And he became president, right? Uh, and by the way, uh, I'll plug the interview I did with Richie Torres, uh, which you can check it out on the feed. Richie Torres, 34 years old. Uh, I think he's the fifth youngest member of the U.S. House. He's another person who is uh, very media-savvy, well-spoken, self-critical about the Democratic Party. And so I had the opportunity to speak to him. I thought he had some very interesting thoughts and he uh, appears to be a bright star with a future in the Democratic Party. Jill, I know we have a lot of other news to get to in this podcast, but I want to take a moment right now to thank our sponsor this week, Athletic Greens. I started taking their AG1 supplement a couple months ago, and I'm very excited to share my experience with you. As many of you know, trying to get all your vitamins in can be hard to keep track of and can get pricey. I was actually previously taking various vitamins with breakfast, with lunch, with dinner. I've been taking the AG1 supplement for a couple months now, and I found nothing simpler. It's just one scoop in a glass of water in the morning, and that's it. It's simple and affordable. The AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. In addition, AG1 has pre and probiotics to support your gut health, all this combines to help you build a strong immune system, especially as we head into cold and flu season. It's really your nutritional insurance policy. And here's the extra good news. Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. So visit athleticgreens.com backslash news to learn more about all that AG1 can do for your health. Take advantage of this special offer. You can actually get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time to see how you like it. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, to take advantage of this special deal.
1: Time for the speed read from The New York Times. Biden and Xi to meet as tensions grow over Taiwan. President Biden and President Xi Jinping of China will meet on Monday before the Group of 20 summit in Indonesia, with a focus on setting expectations with the Chinese as tensions continue to rise over matters like Taiwan and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This meeting will be the first in-person meeting between the two since President Biden took office. Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor, saying, quote, Biden will get to sit in the same room with Xi Jinping, be direct and straightforward with him as he always is and expect the same in return from Xi. Whatever that means.
0: Yeah, this is a big deal. Uh, the two of them, Biden and Xi, back. 10 years ago, were both vice presidents. And so they actually have a relationship going back more than a decade. Now they're the, both the leader of their respective countries. Uh, Biden, until this meeting, has spoken to Xi on the phone five times. Uh, Biden will be making his way to the big climate, the global climate conference in Egypt. Then he's gonna stop in Cambodia before this meeting. Uh, it does come after, uh, we should note, Xi has effectively been made leader for life, Jill, earlier this month at the major, every five year Communist Party meeting. Uh, he was given a third term, which is a pretty unprecedented. We haven't seen that since the days of Mao Zedong. Uh, and there's the feeling is that he's basically going to be in charge uh, for as long as he wants. Uh, and so it'll be very interesting given the situation with Taiwan and all the things the U.S. needs from China. I mean, it is this sort of frenemy relationship where we're, uh, we have issues with each other, but we need each other with the world's two largest economies. And in order to, like, shut down Putin's nonsense or to shut down what's happening in Iran— the U.S. needs China on board on some of these things. And by the way, I mentioned the climate conference. Do you know one of the only world leaders not stopping the climate conference? Xi. Do you know who's one of the biggest polluters in the world? China. So there's a there's a lot for those two to get done.
1: Mosh, you interviewed Ian Bremmer um, and he had, I thought, the greatest metaphor about China and the U.S. He describes it as, as two divorced parents with joint custody over the world, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, that's it. And you could, by the way, you know, in in a different way, uh, that was the US and the Soviet Union for like 50 years during the Cold War, you know, like kind of post the post World War II reality was the US and the Soviets, Soviets collapse. We're sort of uh, doing our own thing for a good 10, 15 years there. We get distracted with the Middle East, China's rising. And now, you know, we have another ex-husband, ex-wife to manage the world with.
1: All right, NBC News, Taliban ban women from parks and gyms in Afghanistan. A spokesman from the Ministry of Virtue and Vice said the group had, quote, tried its best over the past 15 months to avoid closing parks and gyms for women, ordering separate days of the week for male and female access or imposing gender segregation. But, quote, unfortunately, the orders were not obeyed and the rules were violated. In most cases, this is, again, a quote, we have seen both men and women together in parks parks and unfortunately the hijab was not observed. So we had to come up with another decision. And for now we ordered all parks and gyms to be closed for women. I feel like it's Gilead. I mean, I'm, I feel like totally, it's literally Gilead. Totally straight up
0: handsmaid tale. Handmaids, yep. like, like Jill, I was so struck. The the Ministry of Virtue and Vice.
1: You know, that's why I kept that. It, 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 it's another one where you're like, it sounds like a parrot. It's almost funny if it wasn't true yeah. um, because it's just that ridiculous. But imagine living there. It's it's horrific. And,
0: and, and what's horrific is somehow the women always end up on the uh, bad end of the stick. Oh, uh, we can't have men and women together in the park, so we need to close it to women and let the men enjoy the park. Of course. Um, it's just the latest edict. You know, it was interesting because it hasn't been that long. I mean, Jill, we're like, 14 months since the Taliban takeover and they talked the a big game in their first month that the new, the new look Taliban. Uh, we're not the old school Taliban uh, from 20 years ago. You know, we're going to consider things for women and consider rights. And it turns out that, you know, they've considered it and they've decided it's not the case. And it just, it's terrible to see. And this is one of the things you're seeing the women of Iran fight as well. This sort of um, backwards 11th century Uh, interpretation of Islamic law. And by the way, Jill, if those people, if those clerics in charge actually studied Islamic history, you would see that in the early years of Muhammad uh, and the rise of Islam, he actually had promoted uh, female lieutenants. They were in charge of things um, and given a lot of rights. In fact, it's crazy that in Islam, in some of these countries, women had more rights a thousand years ago than they
1: have today. From CNN, the U.S. observed the Russian Navy preparing for a possible test of a new nuclear powered torpedo in recent weeks. A senior U.S. official with direct knowledge told CNN. In the last week, the vessels were observed leaving the testing area in the Arctic Sea and heading back to port without carrying a test. The U.S. believes the Russians may have encountered technical difficulties. The Poseidon Torpedo is a nuclear powered, unmanned, underwater vehicle capable of carrying both conventional and nuclear munitions. Its nuclear propulsion system gives the Poseidon virtually limitless range. Scared oh boy. Yet?
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, you know what I don't like to hear Jill, uh Russian military and technical difficulties and yeah, nuclear exactly. weapons. Um but uh apparently the US does not believe any test would have involved detonating a nuclear device. Any danger would have come from a malfunction of that nuclear propulsion system. And again they had a technical issue here. You know, it's it's going to be notable here because with climate change the Arctic has melted. So there's this whole basically underwater war happening up at the top of Earth right now, where there was once ice um, during the winter and some of the summer. And right now, even in the winter, parts of it is, aren't freezing. So there's a lot happening. And by the way, think about it, the quickest route around the globe sometimes is across the top. And so, uh, you know, something we're all watching right now, and certainly the US military is watching, is uh, what's happening in the Arctic. Uh, and that just, you know, something to keep in mind.
1: What's so scary about this, I don't know if you've heard any experts talking about the possibility of Russia detonating some type of dirty weapon or or Mm -hmm. nuclear weapon and whatnot, is that they don't put it at zero percent. Like they talk about it. They're like, "Eh, it's only 10 percent. And I always think 10 percent. I mean, that's crazy That is to the fact that it's even a one in 10 chance that something like this could happen. And the problem is, if if there was an accident or if, you know, they something malfunctioned and we respond or there's a response. I mean, you're basically just inching closer and closer to some type of, of nuclear war. And that's frightening.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to scare people too much. I, at at this point, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about it. And, you know, you, even President Biden has said, like, the, there's not a zero chance of it. At the same time, though, you know, the way we have armed ourselves over the course of the past 100 years basically the whole the whole concept is called mutually assured destruction we have t- so many weapons that like we're all gone in that sort of situation so the idea is no one uses it because they know the consequences could mean that we're all gone and nobody has a death wish for their country so at the end of the day you know it appears that putin's on the run here in ukraine he continues to sort of show his what he can given the complete um debacle that his war has turned into in ukraine uh, and he likes to threaten stuff because he hopes that that will scare us from stopping him from doing anything and uh so he throws around that language uh and it is scary at the same time and you would hope that responsible leaders don't throw around that sort of language but he does and let's hope that cooler heads prevail here especially as we've begun to talk this week about uh, Zelensky. Uh, laying out what peace talks would look like to Putin, but it all falls on Vladimir Putin right now.
1: From Bloomberg, Musk's first email to Twitter staff ends remote work. So Elon Musk emailed his workers for the first time on Wednesday to prepare them for, quote, difficult times ahead and ban remote work unless he personally approved it. He said there's no way to sugarcoat the message about the economic outlook and how it will affect an advertising dependent company like Twitter. Now, the new rules kick in immediately and he says he expects employees to be in the office for at least 40 hours per week. You might remember prior to Musk's arrival, Twitter established a permanent work from anywhere arrangement for its workers.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting here is that uh, he also warned employees that it might not have enough cash to survive. It was kind of a scary message uh, that Musk laid out, Jill, on the future of Twitter. I mean, maybe that's his leadership style. It does come, by the way, as they you know cut 50 percent of their staff um and they're clearly having some growing pains we teased at the top of the podcast but you know we've talked about how you can now pay $8 to get one of those verified checks to show that you're a real person well it turns out they seem to be handing out verified checks to just about anybody uh and this is a couple of them caught my attention Jill so a fake Eli Lilly account the pharmaceutical company uh promoted that they would now be offering free insulin to all which then led the real Eli Lilly which also has a blue check to be like no we're the real Eli Lilly uh, that's not happening. Don't follow the fake Eli Lilly with a blue check. Twitter took that down. Then you had a fake Ron DeSantis account that also got a blue check saying he's going to come after Trump. <laughs> Trump should be scared of him. Which, by the way, you, know, you look at that, you see the blue check, and you're like, oh, and it turns out no, is Ron, but the O in Ron was a zero, but you could hardly tell it. So they had to take that down. There's a fake LeBron James account. A fake LeBron James account said he was uh, leaving the Lakers and going back to Cleveland, which freaked out some fans. But my favorite, joke is fake Jesus, at Jesus, got a verification, which means someone at Twitter, maybe they verify that Jesus Christ is actually on Twitter, but fake Jesus is on Twitter with a blue check.
1: So some of this is funny, right? Like the fake Jesus and certain things, you you could see that people have a sense of humor, but you also see there's a lot of potential for this to get dangerous, actually. I mean, can you imagine a fake world leader Um, You don't realize it's a fake leader putting a threat out. There's so much potential for this to go so very wrong.
0: Oh, you mean a a worldwide social media network where all the top business leaders, stock traders, politicians, and military leaders, uh, and not being able to actually verify who anybody is could be a bad thing. I mean, this is people's fear, is that um, you need to have a very serious person in charge of this, the aforementioned Vladimir Putin. What happens if a Vladimir Putin with a blue check... It's like, yeah, I'm, an, I'm launching nuclear war in two minutes. What does that do? It messes with markets, billions of dollars. It freaks people out. Somebody, you know, like a lot of bad things could happen in this situation. And so, you know, clearly there's growing pains on Twitter, but growing pains at a company that is public facing and impacts the news and and everything happening out there and and stocks and whatnot. That's dangerous.
1: And on that light note, cheers to the freaking weekend, Mosh. Let's talk about what we're going to be watching, reading, and eating this weekend. I'm going to be watching Manifest Season 4 on Netflix. Wait, tell
0: me about the show. I haven't, I don't know much about it.
1: It's great. It was on one of the networks, actually. Netflix picked it up and it got wildly popular on Netflix. So much so that Netflix, I I believe, produced Season 4. Oh, okay. like everybody wanted more because it kind of was left on a cliffhanger. It starts it kind of like feels like lost a little bit in the way that it starts. Um, it, it'll get you hooked right away They're They're on a plane and, so, and you don't know exactly what happens. And it's like a little sci-fi. It jumps the shark a little bit, I think. But it's it's really good.
0: Is it one of those shows now you're in season four? Is it one of those shows where like you're like and season three is really weak, but you just got to get through it. Like, I feel like every show has one of those seasons.
1: Well, I don't know, because I watched it all, I binged it, and so it. all of the seasons sort of blurred together. Got
0: it. Yeah, no, I always feel like, uh, there's like there was a season of uh, Breaking Bad where you're like, you just got to get through that season. And there's like a season, uh, there's all these shows where it's like, they, there's always a weak season that you're just like, no, no, you just have to then get to the good season. Uh, meanwhile, Jill, also on Netflix uh, this weekend is the release of the new season of The Crown, season five. We're now in the '90s.
1: It's not getting the best reviews, though.
0: Um, I I haven't read the reviews yet. I was excited to binge it. I kind of avoid it if it's going to have really bad reviews. But do we? The nature is it the lack of accuracy, or is it just like the production?
1: I think that the the criticism that I heard was that I guess because it's now about people that are, are that we know of, you know what I mean that that it that they maybe tiptoed around things a little too much. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, we I mean, they're see. taking us—they're I mean, th- taking us through the divorce of Charles and Diana's divorce, the big like Martin Bashir interview. I mean, I think that the death of Diana will be covered next season, season six. But this takes us through all of those dramatic moments um, and all the fights that were happening. And like, frankly, the time period that we didn't think the royal family would survive, and Queen Elizabeth tried to like, you know, you know, get it over the hump. Uh, and I know it has received its fair share of criticism in Britain, especially coming out after. Um, you know, so soon after the Queen's death. Uh, one other thing we should note, Jill, I don't often push SNL, but Dave Chappelle is hosting this
1: weekend. There's actually some controversy. This is his third time hosting SNL, but uh, it hasn't all been warm and fuzzy. Apparently, some of the writers and, and some of the staff were considering a boycott. There's been a lot of mixed reporting on it, but it's all about that Netflix special he did, The Closer, and some of his um, remarks about the transgender community.
0: Yeah, no, I, I know he's been dealing with the fallout of, of that for a while, but uh, his his post-2020 election uh, show was actually really, really well done. So, you know, I'll, I'll check out those segments uh, on Saturday night. Or no, frankly, let's be honest, on YouTube the next morning.
1: And depending on when you are listening to this podcast, I highly recommend watching Mosh, who's going to be on CNN in the 7 o'clock hour on Friday. Mosh, what are you going to be talking about?
0: Well, yeah, we don't often recommend cable news here in the Mo News community, but uh, I'll I'll be on uh, for a segment. They've invited uh, me on. They, they are very interested in what we're building here at Mo News, uh, especially the interactions that we get to have on the Instagram account. So we're talking about how you are uh, talking uh, about the election, why you voted the way you did, your uh, feelings about the media writ large. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh,
1: spreading the word. I am excited to watch, and I and I do think that you have tapped into something very real. Uh, we've talked about this all the time. It's it's missing right now from just the overall national discussion. Um, the viewers, the readers that you have, I think are are. I love reading the comments that you post. I love seeing what people are thinking. It feels like you've created an environment where people do feel comfortable talking about their opinions and, and doing so in a way that's like not immature, not name calling, not divisive, but just kind of, hey, we we see things differently. And I, I love it. It's my favorite part of your Instagram account. I'm very looking forward to seeing you on CNN. Uh,
0: Jill, and I something I I want us to bring to this podcast too, I know some people have set up like voicemail lines where we can like take callers. So I, I'd love to consider that. And we should mention as we talk about that, we're rethinking the newsletter. We're actually going to put it on hiatus after today's edition. Um, and the goal is to relaunch it next year, where we begin to really incorporate uh, more of what we've been doing on the Instagram account in the newsletter.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, Moshe. And so, just a heads up for everybody if you're used to getting Mo news in your inbox, uh, we're going dark for a little bit, but we'll be back in the new year. So, uh, a lot to look forward to. Um, Mosh, what are you reading this weekend?
0: Uh, real briefly, there's a uh, piece in The Atlantic about the decline of social media that I think is fascinating. Uh, I'll include the link in the show notes. Uh, basically, it talks about how we often just refer to social media as one thing, but it began as one thing and has become something else. And The Evolution basically talks about how it began as a Rolodex for you to connect with people you know, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, etc., And it turned us into broadcasters somewhere around 2011, 2012, with all of uh, the opining and the yelling at each other. So there were these like high-minded goals of connecting you with people initially. And then it just, you know, it went downhill quickly. Okay, we've done watching, reading. Uh, Jill, what are you eating this weekend?
1: Okay, I am embarrassingly late to the game, but I just discovered Trader Joe's. Stop. Um And so I... I... <laughs> <laughs> 20, um,
0: 2014 is calling.
1: Yes. Exactly. Um, so I asked on my Instagram, which is Jill R. Wagner, um, if anyone wants to follow me, what to get there. Because it's it's a little bit overwhelming when you go. I got so many suggestions. The overwhelming response, cauliflower gnocchi and these Check. mini ice cream cones. So I did this big shopping earlier this week, so I'm probably just going to be eating Trader Joe's.
0: Yeah, the mini ice cream cones, two thumbs up. Um, I am uh, munching here right now. My wife uh, has come up with a gluten-free peanut butter and jam thumbprint cookie. She's posted it on her Instagram account. We're giving you a whole list of Instagram accounts to follow right now. She's at alsall, at A-L-S-A-L-L. She's made them a few times now, and I can't get enough, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, taking a stab at her latest batch.
1: All right, everybody, have a wonderful Veterans Day. A big thank you to all of the veterans out there and, and everyone in the military in general. Appreciate it very much.
0: Yes, and a belated happy birthday to the Marines. Uh, They are officially 247 years old, a year older than America itself. They actually were founded before we declared independence from Great Britain. So uh, thankful for all the Marines out there. So happy birthday to the Marine Corps. And before we go, a reminder to subscribe or follow this show so you don't miss a single episode. You can do it on your app right now and leave us a review. If you're liking what we're doing, a review would be greatly appreciated. It helps us continue to grow the program.
1: All right, everyone. Have a good weekend.
0: See ya.